0: issue, you know, at the school department with the net school spending and in the local required local contribution. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is an issue that is probably the one I'm most worried about.
1: Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, WFBR.FM, anywhere on the internet and in the local franklin mass area fm dial at 102.9 here today it's a friday we've got our town administrator jamie helen for another talk franklin session jamie how are you doing
0: doing great steve 86 degrees sunny the way we want to end summer
1: yeah could use a little bit more rain but you know we're we're not the only ones in that drought boat that's for sure
0: we're not the only ones in that drought mode um you know, I've actually gotten a fair amount of inquiries uh, over the last several weeks. Um, I think most residents really do understand the issue. Um, this isn't a punitive thing. It's not a town issue. It's a statewide one. And um, just for the listeners, when you get to a level three drought statewide, you're one step away from a level four drought, which is actually really then then the hard regulations come down from the Commonwealth. Right. Um, but at this point, when you get to a level three drought, the state of Massachusetts is really in the driver's seat on these decisions. Um, and as most uh, regular listeners know, our water is re- really highly regulated by the Commonwealth. Um, this isn't really a lot of, I mean, there's some local decisions that come with it, but they kind of set the, the parameters of the ball field. You know, they set the out of bounds and um and most of it's driven by the state we're in the level three drought we have been all month well overall the town's doing very good with uh in its wells right now um you know despite the drought despite the restrictions put forth by the state um you know overall the town's doing quite well we've won numerous water conservation awards as, as you know steve and um a lot of that's because everybody kind of bonds together and kind of i think realizes the message you know um And, um, you know, it's been a statewide problem, as we just mentioned. And, you know, from here on out, looking forward, I think, you know, if we don't get some rain in the fall, um, you know, at some point, the state's going to possibly have to go into a mandatory ban across the board, um, or maybe some different higher regulations, depending on where people get their ground to get their water, whether it's in the reservoirs or underground. Ours is from groundwater 100 percent, so you know that gives us a little bit more leniency but um just so everybody's aware and i think we caught it earlier but when you get to a level 4 that's that's the highest level of a drought massachusetts can be in and so that's i would expect another few months goes by that there's going to be some serious uh, consequences to this but at least in franklin right now we're doing pretty well
1: yeah and let's hope that we get some more of these at least in the off hours overnight hours you know and half inch here half inch there because we are still several inches off where we need to be, and uh, we're not going to make it up all at once. That brings itself uh, other problems, and we don't want to address those either. So,
0: no, it's, yeah. uh, we're, we're probably feet off. Um, but you know, you're right. It, it um, you know, we don't want any rain here at the end of summer, but we want rain some point soon, <laughs> right because <laughs> i want to go to the beach just like everybody else you know that and, absolutely and i don't want it to rain on sundays and mm-hmm. we'll see what happens here in the next uh next couple months as yep. we get out of lawn watering season and vegetable garden season um you know hopefully the situation will improve
1: And for the listeners, uh, as you were probably aware, this is our only recording in August. So we'll Mm go back a little bit because there was an EDC meeting discussing the uh, Franklin for All project, and they prioritized amongst, I think, uh, what was it, 14 or 13 recommendations. They prioritized three for you as a town administration to start working towards. Yep. Um, So folks out
0: there that are interested in development, they're interested in housing development, uh, zoning. you know, downtown development, parking, uh, just a few catchphrases to hopefully get the listeners to bite into. And if you're interested in that stuff, now's your time. Because uh, the Economic Development Subcommittee, which consists of Councilor Hamlin, Councilor Frangillo, Councilor Sheridan, Councilor Jones, in addition to the two planning board members that are elected, Greg Rondo and Beth uh, Whirling, and the ZBA member, uh, Bruce Hunchard, have formed had a committee. And they recommended to look at some issues that um, I think observers, including myself, uh, um, you know, this is why we had the voting system for the recommendation, Steve. Um, Each member got three choices of the recommendations of the dozen or so that you just mentioned, uh, what their biggest priorities were. We can't do all 12 at once. um, And we needed some guidance. And so it was kind of fun. You know, I think they all had a good time choosing and talking to each other, and ultimately they chose to um, look at various aspects of downtown parking, ride shares, look at the downtown parking lots for opening those up for greater access, a myriad of things, which I think is long overdue, and it is on the town council goals this year too, so we're going to have that probably coming forward in October. Then they also prioritize uh, accessory dwelling units which is actually something I've been very interested in too. um, And we've had a lot of requests for um, that we will be looking at in terms of converting uh, maybe a space out in the backyards of people or garages, kind of accessory dwelling units um, as a way for uh, folks to create more housing, create more value for their property, allow their kids, quite frankly, to come home and stay with them until they're 26. And they're off the uh, parents' health care plan and also loved ones. And I have this situation in my family where we're caregivers um, for folks that uh, are senior citizens. And, um, you know, I think that's something. I think think accessory dwelling units is certainly a great way to address some of the housing shortage issues. But, you know, I'm just speaking from my own experience and a lot of citizens I hear from. And I think the pandemic has wanted to bring people closer together, too. And they've had to be closer together. To take care of loved ones during the lockdown um, and at other points during this and i think that um, this is a really great opportunity for a lot of families to kind of reassess their property and um and look for uh options to be able to maybe get an additional bedroom an extension in addition uh, a separate building um convert part of the properties into uh, additional dwelling units and um, you know i just think that given the status of housing i thought that was a great choice by the committee. Going to take us a while, Steve, as you can imagine, to go through a lot of the details of it, and really, it's a it's a newer concept. And the Boston Globe has written some articles about this too. But you know, I think given the housing shortage and and from what I see is a very stubborn uh, pipeline to creating housing. Um, and I articulated some of these thoughts to Mr. Earls in one of his articles recently. Um, I think accessory dwelling units is something that would really help. I think a lot of property owners are Franklin reevaluate um, how they use their property. So that was a great recommendation by the committee. And then and, um, the final one was a, a concept called 40 ri I don't want to bore people with government terms, but <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, ver, it's a verbiage thing where it's called if you call it a 40 R um, it's a negotiation point for towns that um, have exceeded its affordable housing threshold to allow us to negotiate with, Uh, builders on projects, um, not only negotiate the ratio of affordable to market rate, but also the aesthetics. So this is a great thing for areas along 140 downtown, um, where you set in a whole new series of overlay districts into the zoning um, that give incentives to uh, developers to uh, create uh, uh, housing that's more diverse. Um, has more character element, uh, uh, related to it um, you know uh, they're not just the same old gaudy apartment complex buildings that um, that uh, some people are extremely unhappy with um, and so that's a great recommendation too the other thing i mentioned really quickly steve is inclusionary zoning was not one of the recommendations uh put forth as a priority for uh for the committee and that was okay Because that's a very big uh, priority, if not the number one in the housing production plan that was just approved by the state. And so I would expect at some point um, that'll be on the docket uh, later on this year. And Steve, I know you were around the last time the town went through this. I came in just after it. But right around the corner in about seven or six or seven months, um, two major planning efforts are going to be going underway. Uh, The 2023 master plan effort for the entire community, which is about a 10-year plan. Uh, is now going to be uh, complete. And so we need a new plan looking forward. And also uh, the open space and recreation plan is also uh, uh, ending at the end of 2022. And that process will kick up next year. And with uh, the new open spaces and recreational opportunities in Franklin and, and clearly the demand for it with community preservation, um, I expect those two efforts to really be with a high level of citizen engagement next year. So, uh, for those that are, have made it through this segment and they're interested in housing and development, if they're angry, upset, uh, happy, uh, want to be a part of the solution. Now's the time to get involved.
1: It's been a recurring theme. This is the opportunity. The time is now and uh, we'll just continue to reinforce that for sure.
0: No better time than here. No better time than now. It's no. uh, it's the time. And Steve, I'm sure a lot of your boards on Franklin matters get a lot of, and you hear it throughout town. People are really concerned about these issues. Um, and they're complicated, right? They're yeah. really fraught with a lot of, um, of, of complication in terms of, you know, the developer perspective about financing and risk, building materials, supply chain issues, all the way down to what is zoning. We heard it, one of the forums, this is somebody shouted out, this is boring. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it, it is boring. Um, but we love it, uh, as a staff and, um, you know, we're trying to do the best we can to, communicate with the public in kind of layman's terms. So they understand exactly what's going on. Right. Um, but, uh, but one thing is for sure, get on the email lists, um, you know, follow the local news sources, uh, and become part of the solution and come out and educate yourself. because, uh, uh, these are big decisions over the next year and a half.
1: Right. So from a MAPC perspective, mm-hmm. th- they're, they were also issuing a final report did we get that yet or what's their involvement going forward on this because i know they were if i recall Uh, correctly they were tasked for kind of facilitating some of this but then clearly given over the report which now you sounds like you started prioritization of exactly mm -hmm. some of the actions granted all of them will be done at some point potentially but not all at once
0: yeah the report was delivered um we linked it into the agenda for august 10th i believe it's on the planning site uh the planning department um and so uh their involvement moving forward actually they don't have anything official moving forward anymore um yep. you know um we will have to hire um somebody to work with us on the um on the 40r concept uh to help bring us through that uh we're looking at some folks But that'll be down the line probably another five or six months at least before we have the financing for that. um, I do think that's a priority that is going to require some additional stakeholders to come out, uh, including a lot of the stakeholders in downtown. So um, that'll take on some more planning efforts. I anticipate the parking, Steve, as well as the inclusionary zoning to be two of the things that come up uh, in the remaining months of this calendar year. And mm-hmm. mainly because we've already done a tremendous amount of staff legwork on those issues, and so you know, let's just try to get a couple touchdowns, and um, you know, see what the score is after that, and come back and, and and look at the beginning of the year at some of those other recommendations.
1: Yeah, because I think for those who may recall, certainly in the recent months, uh, particularly with uh, I think it was even in April, May, and sometime earlier, the the dean neighborhood community was talking about the parking, you eventually went through uh, some adjustments. And there were some were put in place, some were still for future discussion, which is now being wrapped into some of the stuff. So yeah, it's not done, but there's still work to be done.
0: And, and on that note, and to, you just meant, mentioned something that triggered something, which is, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, this is an ever evolving issue. I mean, it always is, but people mm-hmm. really need to understand that mostly now. Why? Well, we have a new president and a new chancellor at Dean College. Right. And so that's an additional stakeholder that is going to have some maybe different views than what people have before. There's new residents who live in that neighborhood. I know this because they call me up sure. for various things. And so there's new people coming in. There's new businesses. There's new stakeholders running the college and, and a lot of other things going on. So um this is really a complicated topic, and there's really no other way to handle it than for people to really show up in a lot of meetings and participate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, people think of Franklin as kind of a static piece, but as you and I know, and most folks, if they really stop and think about it, It's a dynamic environment and maybe not tremendously changing from day to day, but there are significant changes, especially in the stakeholder realm. So, yeah, we need a lot of those into account as we especially coming out of the pandemic and whatever else is going to be this new normal going forward. So
0: people's, uh, you know, remember when um, president uh, uh, nominee, excuse me, um, John Kerry got labeled a flip flopper Mm -hmm. and it was seen as a negative. um you know you can't get it that doesn't happen anymore thank goodness Hmm. we are reacting to what's going on in the streets but what's going on is people have had so much disruption for the last few years they're still trying to settle out into where they live what they're doing where they're going to get involved in a variety of things Hmm. and i think it's a great opportunity for the town um to be doing these things and to be having these conversations because You know, we really need to get that voice of who, you know, this this isn't really a conversation about past performance. This is really a conversation about moving forward. Every day that we wake up, we have to look at these issues as we're moving out 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. It can't be about what happened in the 80s. It can't be about happening in the 90s and we were the fastest growing town. That's not true anymore. It's very, very far from the truth, in fact. right. Um, And I noted in my fiscal forecast, the population decline in the last year. First time we've in lost a while. population in time in a long time. Mm-hmm. We only built ten single family units of housing in Franklin last year. Ten.
2: Yep.
0: Ten. That's a far cry from the old days, Steve. Sure. When what was there, hundreds happening every hundreds, year? Hundreds. I mean, hundreds easily. Hundreds. Yes. So yep. so these are changing dynamics and people are gonna have to realize that some of the things and myths and Facebook comments that we hear um are really inaccurate um and i think that information gap and um that connectivity has kind of been some of the issues around housing development and whether people like it or not or commercial industrial um is because things are changing quite a bit and so mm-hmm. um i you know you know i love this stuff and so it's an exciting time but you know for the people out there that are listening they really 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 should get engaged at this point it should be a lot of fun i don't i hope people don't see it as cumbersome i think it's no. like a a fun conversation for the community for the next uh, 10 years.
1: A fun and hopefully respectful conversation (laughs) because that's effectively how we get the scores going. Absolutely. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: and then a quick recap at least in terms of town council last time uh the 17th meeting uh you made some appointments i believe there's still some appointments that are outstanding where there's some open spots but um i haven't seen that reconciliation yet and then the two key pieces presentation wise i guess was the uh, cultural council update and your green communities that you had been touting an update yeah. for and finally presented
0: Yep, yeah, we got both presentations on the the town website um you know, great job by Kay Kelly and, and, and the folks on the, uh, the cultural council to come in and give an update. Um, you know, you can go look at the, the video. Um, Interested folks can go look at the video uh, or look at the PowerPoint uh, that was at the meeting. Uh, the same thing with green communities. We've come a long way. Um, and I got to give, give him a plug, but Mike D'Angelo was hired in 1998 and uh, 24 years after uh, the town's really uh, become you know, uh, seen by the state of Massachusetts as a big leader in green energy. And a lot of that comes from Mike um, and uh, the way that him and Jeff dealt with facilities and the schools. And now, um, you know, I've been able to do a little work on some of the streetlights and LED conversions and, um, and becoming a certified green community. Uh, You know, I pushed really hard for that. Um, I thought it was a good uh, brand for the community. It was already very green. So why, why wouldn't we just do the, check the boxes for the state and now alicia in my office who's been great um really she's the big goal for her in front of her is probably a lot of electric vehicle conversion um so we've been trying to stay out in the forefront of it again the powerpoint presentation is there people go look at the video i think both presentations were well received by the public and um you know it just shows our commitment as a community to the culture and the arts good entertainment um trying to create a funky vibe here and there and and, um, you know, it's also great to see, I'm sure, for the public that we're, we're doing a lot of great things on climate change.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that's, that's a whole other topic. We'll spend some time on that. But <laughs> continuing the town council theme, let's, te- let's tease up for the next meeting. There, um, you got some stuff coming up on the September 7th meeting.
0: Yeah, we got kind of an exciting meeting. I'll give a quick plug, um, you know, for those that are looking to be introduced to the new president of Dean College and the new chancellor. Um, they will be coming to the meeting to have a, a brief open conversation uh, with the council at the meeting. And I'm sure there'll be a few citizens there with questions. And um, we just had some of the department heads meet with them last week. Um, and I, I met with the chancellor uh, about a month ago. Um, uh, and um, uh, by coincidence, um, I did work with Ed uh, Chancellor Augustus uh, about 15, 20 years ago um, He worked when he was a state senator, he worked, um, uh, he was the vice chair of the education committee and I was the chief of staff, uh, for the uh, chair of the education committee. So Ed Mm -hmm. and I got to know each other actually quite well years ago and worked on some legislation. And it's, it's just, um, great to see the two new faces over there. Um, they have so much optimism and energy. I've been on the campus a couple of times. You can feel it with the students, the staff, um, these are two very, very dynamic and smart and, uh, folks that uh, are going to bring a lot to Franklin, and um, I'm very excited for them to come, and they'll be at the council meeting to introduce themselves quickly, um, where I do expect a lot more engagement on a much more regular basis between the council, the school committee, the planning board, the elected officials, and Dean uh, College. So they'll be on. Uh, we also are going to have on the topic that's been requested a few times by citizens regarding the, uh, the seal and the state seal. And I'm hopeful it's not 100 percent yet, but I'm hopeful that the RFP will be before the council for the Old South Church and we can continue moving that project along. So some good stuff to look forward to. We're gonna to try to keep it a little light, Steve, as the Labor Day. <laughs> the Labor it's always hard after Labor Day, right? Yeah. And we no, all come it's... back, the school starts and, mm-hmm. and you and it's kind of like the the wake up call really that summer's over or it's almost over. So I feel right. like we're gonna have a kind of a hopefully a lighter meeting and check off some of the presentations and some of the other like uh, administrative work that mm-hmm. uh yeah, compounds to get done. So yeah, uh, the rest of the September seventh
1: The rest of the fall, will certainly have a lot of work in front of us, as it normally does, and that's part of the cycle. Part of the uh, cycle. And one of the key pieces, I know you had teased at the prior town council meeting uh, that you were working on the five-year fiscal forecast, which is the first time it was done, because obviously during the pandemic, you had some other priorities taken, and that (laughs) forecasting was kind of hard to do at that time, but you finally completed it, and it just got published, and now it's actually being shared out more broadly, so...
0: Caught it at a time in the dog days of summer that you, usually we do this thing. Um, it's been the first for a few years. I, I think what every the main message um, that people should take away from it is FY twenty three, the current fiscal year we're in that we just started in July is going to have see a lot of change, and the change is going to come from the fact that inflation is going to start to seep into uh, the operating budget. Um, when we did the budget even in may we saw a little bit of it coming but um, weren't really sure about interest rates uh, now we know <laughs> you know i put a few examples in there right of some work say on the snet trail that was going to be done and we had estimated mm-hmm. for 2 years it would be 200,000 and um, mm-hmm. we got bids between 400,000 and 800000 yeah uh, the repark schoolhouse the came in 20% higher than we expected Um, and these are bids and designs we just did in like March and April, Steve, you know, this wasn't like some of this stuff. I mean, the SNET trail just got permitted in the winter, right? Like, it's not like this was like five-year-old projects that were on the back burner that we're worried about. This was stuff we just designed and got appropriated in April from very good cost estimates. We didn't just make up numbers. We talked to people and actually had. Uh, gauge the price of these things uh, and even put contingency in those budgets Mm -hmm. normally do. Right. Still. um, I expect electricity to go up, diesel to go up, gas to go up. Uh, I expect as all those go up, um, other things are going to start to go up. um, And I think what we really know is if you go to your grocery store and you wonder why a product has not been there for three years consistently every week, like you want it, Mm-hmm. It's because the world is still stuck in a very disorderly supply chain problem. Right. Um, I'm sure all the listeners out there have something, you know, if they get at the grocery store that's not there very regularly because um, there's still COVID problems in other countries. China still doesn't allow people in. Um, you know, you've got the in Ukraine with, with Russia, um, and you've got a lot of disturbance in a lot of other places, just like Sri Lanka, um, just like Brazil. Um, you have factories that are shut down you have factories that have come up um, and it's still just a very uh, anxious market you know. and so as a result prices are starting to go up um, and you're seeing it in everything and I think all the families out there in Franklin do realize it too but what had to be said Steve and what needs to be bear repeating a lot is all of what we've gotten used to is not going to be the same because the costs of what we got used to are going up really, really high. And so this year is going to be a settle into the new normal year. I do expect gas to go down. I do expect interest rates to go up. Um, And people can read the details in there in terms of how these dynamics interact. But ultimately, people have just got to be ready that as we go towards FY24 and beyond, that what we costed out last February would be a budget model for three years, ain't going to be the same budget model anymore. Mm. So I expect some very hard decisions to be made. Um, and uh, we all thought that maybe by this point in time, Steve, we all thought maybe we'd finally be getting to a new plateau of, of calm. Mm. And I expect, uh, at least in the next, in this fiscal year at least, probably going into twenty four, I do expect a lot more disruption. Uh, because even gas alone, it's going to cost us a lot more money. And so something else is going to have to get sacrificed. I mean, if I have to pay an extra $150,000 in a year for diesel and fuel, well, then something else has to give in the town budget of 150,000. Right. Yep. So I think those are the dynamics we're facing and, and uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll have a budget subcommittee meeting in October or November and um, before the tax rate hearing, and then we'll take it from there.
1: Yeah. And I think to help, tease for folks to read through and read through carefully pay attention there's a number of pieces there uh one of the pieces you didn't mention obviously in your short uh overview and that's fine the um school side as well clearly they were getting their opera funds their esser funds and their accountings etc and those funds are expiring and they were already trying to plan to have some of those move into a kind of ongoing uh costing but all of that consumable stuff, which clearly is what 80 uh, percent of in some budgets, uh well, 80 mm-hmm. percent of the budgets are the employee benefits, et cetera. But the 20 percent, where the to your point, the consumables, the gas, uh uh salt for the roads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, mm-hmm. If that's sustaining such increases, then it's going to put pressures on everything else. And that's it's gonna be challenging times for the next couple of years. So yeah. It's going to be challenging
0: times. And I think, I think um, we're still stuck
1: with the You know, we, everybody calls
0: inflation pesky, right? You ever heard mm-hmm. that? Tea? Like, you know, yeah. just pesky inflation. And it's mm-hmm. true. It is pesky because one of the reasons why you have, I mean, the primary reason you have inflation is because the demand for services and goods far outweigh the supply. Right. So costs go up. And as a result, you're seeing this peskiness with um, petroleum, which is not in the same position necessarily. Um, but prices are going up anyways for a lot of different reasons because of the war and other geopolitical factors and um, and we're still stuck with this pesky issue you know at the school department with the net school spending and in the local required local contribution mm-hmm. and I think that this is an issue that is probably the one I'm most worried about um, because that one really does require the only way to deal with that most. Um, is through overrides and raising tax levies. And, and those are really toxic things. And so um, when the public is already having a hard time paying and paying and sweating the bills, we can't continually be putting on more on top of them. And so we're probably gonna end up having to live within our means. It's gonna put a lot of stress. I tell people all the time, you wanna know what the number one thing is that I hear of in the last, say, six months, the biggest set of complaints. In fact, it's actually one of the only few complaints I get. About anything in Franklin. Take a quick guess, Steve. (laughs) Mm. Roads? Close. Uh, We do get complaints on that, but it's situational because it's like, well, I have a detour and I don't, you know, I can't get through. The number one thing I hear of every day DPW police will say the same thing. There are people that stop in, they call, they email, they're angry. Speeding.
1: Speeding, speeding,
0: blowing off traffic signals. Um, are too aggressive drivers mm-hmm. uh, almost every day. That's, that's what I hear of. Um,
1: I was almost hoping so you went, weren't going to repave King Street so nicely because it was actually safer while it was being <laughs> under the groove status. <laughs> and, and
0: not only that, then somebody hit a telephone pole because it was, yeah. <laughs> so, yep. you yep. know, after the thing was paved. So, yeah, you know, I think, I think when we need to address issues that are important to the citizens, like speeding and traffic enforcement, you know, I think the town can expect that there'll be a proposal for me uh, moving forward on these things over the next six to 12 months. But again, when the public wants those things really prioritized and you have these other stress points, mm-hmm. it makes it very challenging for us to invest in those areas that are really, you know, due for, for good or for worse, or whether it's right or wrong, are clearly impacting the quality of life in the minds of a lot of citizens. This, right. that is, there's not even a close second on the family feud board. Um, you know, the number one answer, 85 percent people are upset about speeding, they're upset about traffic violations, they're upset about uh blowing off stop signs. Um uh the 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 speeding in town is every oh well, excuse me, speeding is everywhere. Uh 495 has its own speeding problem. Yes. Um but, any major highway. <laughs> um, any major highway, but even the back roads, I'm hearing it nonstop on lincoln street pond street chestnut pleasant um cottage you name it hmm. um people are are really really stressed out by this uh as evidenced by the, the literally the daily phone call or visit from a citizen um i even had somebody come in last week who um to try to end on a on a funny note she was so upset and she was very genuine and, and i understood her problem in terms of where she lived and and the speeding that was going on and, and claiming that people were going 50, 60, 65 on, on, uh, on, on, on town roads. Um, and she wanted me to try to come up with a system at which to buy citizens um, uh, radar guns <laughs> so <laughs> okay. they could track them. Sure. And, and, you know, I mean, let's, let's be real. I mean, that's, 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 that's individuals who are coming to me asking for this because that's how upset they are. That's what they're seeing and what they're feeling hmm. and um, and uh, so we'll see what we can do about that in 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 the fall. Um, but in the meantime, uh, everybody should go check out the fiscal forecast. Um, it's really not that bad of a read. it's about 10 pages, but it gives you a little um, a little bit of a, a sense of what to look forward to in the next few.
1: Yeah, I think years. the doc, as I recall is a little longer because you added in the uh, uh, standard and imports uh triple A rating and yep. there was another piece which has escaped me at the moment. The
0: ISO one uh ISO one
1: correct attachment. yeah the other two key docs that you know accomplishments of the town recently that certainly speaks to where we are in a position to do going forward. It's not yeah. the end of the world. It's gonna be a challenge. It's gonna be a challenge. Indeed. Well thank you for taking time on this Friday to talk Franklin for the listeners and uh, followers to uh, understand, get some insights from you directly as to what we're facing and uh, how we can help. And certainly being engaged, being involved, getting subscriptions, uh, participating in the meetings. um, Those are all things to do and certainly reaching out if you, if necessary, because your office is always open.
0: Thanks a lot, Steve. Good to talk to you. And we'll uh, talk to you in September.
1: Indeed. Thank you very much. And for the listeners, we do this because Franklin Matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.